Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Not every story of tech disruption has the same ending. We're used to high-tech firms taking over the world at the expense of more traditional players. Websites replacing stores and robots replacing workers. But it doesn't have to be that way. Take investing, where recent innovations have democratized access to markets and financial advice. Sometimes, new technology is just good for everyone. I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback from Barron's. This season, we're doubling down on the past, exploring why companies, ideas, and industries thrive, even as others fail to meet their promise. In our frenetic news cycles, those stories are quickly forgotten, even though they hold valuable lessons for the future. On today's show, robo-advisors took on Wall Street, and we all won. Back in 2012, one of my regular Barron's assignments was writing profiles of top financial advisors for Barron's. These folks often manage billions of dollars for clients, so their views were an important window into stock markets. But these advisors did more than invest in stocks. In fact, that was arguably the easy part. Financial advisors like to be part of the family. An ambitious advisor considered him or herself to be one part financial whiz and one part therapist. One advisor explained to me that his lean-back approach to advice was more akin to, quote, family counsel. Another recalled holding a dying client's hand on Thanksgiving because his children were out of town. And their connections with one client often helped another client. It was good to be part of the club. But not surprisingly, that club was very exclusive. Some of these advisors had just 100 clients, and each of them had a net worth of $5 million or more. The problem was there weren't enough good advisors to go around, especially if you weren't a millionaire. Enter Silicon Valley. Investing with traditional financial advisors used to mean waiting until you had enough assets to meet their high six- and seven-figure minimums. Not anymore. Wealthfront. Welcome to Smarter Investing. At Betterment, we've created automated investing to help people make better financial decisions and reach their goals. So we made you some simple, free tools to help you see all of your money and investments in one place. So you can make smart choices about how to spend your money and your life. Personal capital. These were basically fancy apps, but the software quickly took on a human face, and the investing platforms became known as robo-advisors. This felt big, mainly because we were still early in the digital revolution. Amazon was taking over retail, Apple had taken over music, and everyone was on the lookout for the next big disruption. Financial advisors seemed like a likely candidate. And the robos were solving a real problem. Financial advice for too long was only available to a select few. In 2015, the cover of Barron's featured a robot behind a fancy desk extending a hand to potential clients. The headline was, Robo-Advisors Take on Wall Street. Financial advisors have always enjoyed the fanciest of digs, I wrote at the time. But their plush offices and high-end art are being upended by software engineers sitting at IKEA desks. Just like IKEA, the robos were meant to be a good enough alternative for the masses. All an investor had to do was answer a few questions on their age, investment goals, and risk tolerance. The software's artificial intelligence would take it from there, putting your money in a customized basket of stocks and bonds. Not surprisingly, Wall Street wasn't exactly thrilled with the new competition. Automation had upended the bank teller, 
Could it do the same to the financial advisor? The whole term robo-advisor was, was coined by the advisory community, right? It's like, this is a threat. You know, don't use a robo-advisor, use a human advisor. That's John Stein. My name is John Stein, and I am the founder and CEO of Betterment. Betterment was founded in 2008 and helped drive the first innovations in software-driven advice. It was one of the first robo-advisors as, like it or not, the world was already calling them. I think that the main thing that I saw as broken with the advisory world was a lack of access. I've always thought everyone should have investment advice, just like everyone should have healthcare, everyone should have a doctor. You wouldn't design a healthcare system where you just have pharmacies and everyone has to figure out like their own mix of drugs that's going to be best for them. You'd have chaos, you'd have like really sick people. And that's kind of how we've designed our financial services system. We're going to hear more from John in a moment. But first, I want to hit pause to talk about what we're doing in the readback this season. In finance, we're used to hearing a lot of bold calls, but we don't often look back to see how they played out. So that's what we're focusing on this season. And how better to do it than actually reading back from our old stories? All right, so let's go back a little bit. And one of the things you told me uh, was back in May 2015, kind of looking back at your first five years, you said we were the voice in the wilderness. Yeah. So when I said that, I was referring back to the time, you know, before there was robo advice, before there was fintech, those words didn't exist in 2010 when we launched. And so when I said the way that everyone invests is going to change, no one really believed me. Everyone said, this is a solved problem, right? Like there's discount brokers. How is this different? And I just, I knew that customers were frustrated with the products on the market today, that that the products were not built around, you know, real people and and their lives. Back when I spoke with John the first time, robo-advisors were still fairly new. Betterment had about $2 billion under management. Five years later, that number is $23 billion across more than half a million customers. These days, there's an army of robo-advisors out there, including Wealthfront and Sigfig, and options from older firms like Charles Schwab and Vanguard. A few years ago, Barron's even started ranking the robo-advisors to help readers navigate a sea of options. Before we get into those rankings, some history. The financial advisory business grew, like so many other industries, on the backs of baby boomers. The boomers were the first generation, basically, that couldn't count on pensions. And that created the need for better investing and financial planning. They wanted credentialed professionals who inspired confidence. Eventually, that grew into the concierge-type service I described before, for those who could afford it. A few generations later, the need for advice is still there, but the approach has changed. The concept of automated investing is as much a cultural phenomenon as a technological one. It's not just that young folks embrace technology. It's also that a new generation of investors grew up with the Great Recession. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after And now the market's COVID collapse. We are looking at another day of extreme volatility. Stocks which makes them painfully aware of the market's risks, as well as its rewards. And this week alone, stocks have now wiped out nearly $3.5 trillion in value. Here's John Stein. I know from personal experience how hard it is. I mean, I, I did it for a while, right? And... And maybe everyone kind of has to do it to kind of learn for themselves what it takes. When I first graduated college, I was trading stocks and I bought a bunch of things that went up and and did really well. And I bought some things that went down and did really poorly. And on average, I, you know, I kind of did about as well as the index. But John couldn't stop thinking about how technology could make things easier. 
Betterment really was born out of the last crisis, right? Like the 2008 financial market meltdown. I was in business school at that time. Now I'd gone into business school with kind of a loose idea for Betterment. I had the name. I knew I wanted to start a company. And so I was working on it while I was there. And all that I would talk about was Betterment, right? Like in every one of my classes, it was the, the project. It made perfect sense in the classroom, but the real test was still to come. Fast forward to this March. All three of Wall Street's major indexes plunged more than 7% on Monday. The Dow's more than 2,000-point drop is a one-day record. It was the fastest sell-off ever. This was when human advisors proved their worth. Advisors put things in context. They tell clients not to panic. And most importantly, they remind investors to stay the course. Along the way, advisors are rebalancing clients' portfolios, which means buying stocks on weakness and looking for opportunities to take tax losses, all with the goal of maximizing returns. So how did the robos fare? This was the first big stress test of robo-advisors. They really weren't around during the financial crisis. That's Sarah Max, who writes about retirements, funds, and advisors for Barron's. She says the robos more than met the challenge of the volatile markets. Here we have, you know, all of this uncertainty, all of this market volatility. One would think that people would be pulling money out or maybe pushing pause in their contributions, and that was not the case. Not only did investors not pull their money out of the robo-accounts, they actually did the opposite. It turns out software was a decent alternative to humans. The robos were able to provide virtual hand-holding, and they stopped people from making emotional decisions. Always the risk when investing on your own. Their clients stuck with the program, and more people signed on. TD Ameritrade said its robo-service saw a 150% increase in new account openings versus the previous year. Betterment saw a 25% increase in account openings in the first quarter. In the worst markets we can remember, the robo-concept had worked. Here's John Stein from Betterment. What a wild time, right? We went into it and we lowered all of our projections for the year. We tightened our belts. We pulled back on like the variable expenses, like marketing and, you know, just sort of like prepared for the worst as we saw the market fell 30% there and one of the fastest freefalls it's, it's ever taken. And even in that time, even in March, where we saw the most volatility, we saw record signups in those months. We were seeing lots of new customers coming and investing with us, which is kind of wild to think about when the market's down so much. But, you know, maybe the simple explanation is some people saw it as a buying opportunity. There was no panic. So what was going on? Here's Sarah. One possible explanation is that with a lot of the robo-advisors, the investors tend to skew toward the younger side. And a theory I've heard, and this is across the board, not just with robo-advisors, is that younger savers saw the market downturn as an opportunity. We've also seen that, you know, while the pandemic has really impacted a lot of people in terrible ways, there's a large chunk of the population that has not seen an impact on their income. And meanwhile, they're not spending as much. So a lot of people are simply saving more. And that might have been part of what was driving some of this activity with robo-advisors. But as the robos thrive, they create a new decision for investors. Which one to choose? Betterman and Wealthfront, two of the robo-pioneers, have been joined by a host of other services in recent years, from startups to older banks. And they all charge similar rates. 
far lower than the typical 1% fee on total assets that human advisors charge. So how should investors choose? Not easily. Tracking investment returns has always been difficult when it comes to advisors. They emphasize that each account is unique based on a client's individual goals, so there are no apples-to-apples comparisons. That's a convenient way for advisors to avoid too much scrutiny. But it's not just the returns that matter anyway. Barron's has been ranking human advisors for years across various factors. And so it was natural for us to start ranking the robos as well. Sarah Max wrote our latest ranking story this summer. I personally walked away from the story deciding that it really is going to be a personal thing, that the best robo-advisor for an individual is going to kind of depend on where you are and the kinds of features you're looking for. I didn't really see that there was one that just does everything so well for everybody. There were some that seemed to be maybe a better fit for younger savers, and then there might be some that are better for older individuals who they're not only worrying about accumulating money, but in many cases, trying to turn their portfolios into retirement income. So I guess I walked away thinking that right now, it seems like there are a lot of robo-advisors. It may be that there's just one good robo-advisor for your situation. So now that the robos have proved their value, are human advisors suddenly obsolete? Are advisors about to follow the path of the bank tellers replaced by technology? I can't remember the last time I walked into a bank branch and spoke to a live person. My husband and I had a little debate when I was working on the story because he said something about, oh, this is the death of advisors. And I said, no, I don't think so at all. I actually think it's just opening up so that more people will have a quote unquote advisor. Technology is bringing more advice to more people. That's only a good thing. Human advisors, meanwhile, have been forced to up their game. Asset allocation, basically spreading investments across stocks and bonds, has become a commodity offering. So advisors have to double down on more personal stuff, like financial planning and the other concierge services we mentioned at the top of the show. It's like how Amazon has forced bricks-and-mortar retailers into better service, offering curbside pickup, for instance, and quicker shipping. And yet, the robo's real impact hasn't been anything like Amazon's. Traditional Wall Street banks aren't under threat. If anything, they're more powerful than ever. And they've all created their own versions of the robo-advisor. Charles Schwab and Vanguard's automated platforms manage far more money than Betterment or Wealthfront. In that way, the robo-pioneers haven't lived up to the hype. In the tech world, some might consider that a failure. But the robos haven't given up. Betterment is making a big push into checking and savings. They now want to be much more than just an investment advisor. Years after online banking arrived, our checking accounts have basically been stuck in place. So there's lots of room for improvement especially if we're willing to let the robos into our accounts. It's one more bit of tension in the constant back and forth between technology and privacy. Ultimately, though, the robos may be hard to avoid. What I think is interesting, though, in my opinion, is that we are just in the early stages of what robo-advisors can do. I think that the way things are going is that, you know, in in the near future, robo-advisors are going to be able to look at a lot of aspects of your spending and help you with those bigger picture things, help nudge you to save more, help nudge you to pay off certain debt. I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah. And it's so interesting, you know, when we think about, we let Google basically read our emails Imagine, imagine what we could let our robo-advisors do to really get to know us even better. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it can be kind of scary, right? 
It is scary, maybe not a popular opinion. But. Oh my gosh, I'm imagining, you know, online shopping and suddenly a pop-up window from my robo-advisor saying, do you really need another pair of shoes? That's awesome. And, I, and honestly, you know what? I would connect my credit card to a robo-advisor if it could help them figure out what my risk tolerance is or when I spend the most money. And, you know, if there's something that they can learn from that, I think I would be willing to, to give it a shot. I think I would too. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadback at barons.com. Thanks to John Stein and Sarah Max. And for more coverage on robo-advisors and our latest ranking, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Litoft and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Next week on the show, Weight Watchers and its battle to reinvent itself. You told me at the time that Weight Watchers has the best outlet for their message they've ever had. And that was about Oprah, right? It was, and, and I think that did prove to be true. If you can believe in yourself and believe that this is the most important thing in your life, you can conquer it. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.